I'm Jefferson Graham with USA Today. You're listening to Talking Tech. I'm just wrapping up a trip to the southeast that brought me to Atlanta and Savannah, Georgia, and Charleston, South Carolina. I pulled some highlights from the trip together for you here, and in fact, am recording this from the Charleston airport. Let's begin with my chat with Brooks Buffington, the 24-year-old co-founder of the popular youth messaging app Yik Yak, which was born in Atlanta. Since we're here in the South, um, you guys have to be one of the poster childs for a South, you know, a Southern success in the tech world. It's certainly a household name. Talk, talk to me about being here and what that, what that has done for you. Yeah, it's, it's really great. I mean, we love, we love the South. We love Atlanta. You know, we love, you know, Furman where we went to school in South Carolina. We love all of that. And we're, we're very um, proud to, you know, hopefully helping to kind of put like the Southeast tech scene, you know, on the map, uh, you know, the reason why we stayed in Atlanta and developed this in Atlanta was because the community was so uh, great about like wanting to see us succeed and wanting to, you know, see us, you know, become this thing that we are today. And we couldn't be here without them. Uh, being in the South allowed us to kind of fly under the radar too while everyone else was battling it out in, you know, New York or Silicon Valley. And then, uh, you know, hopefully by us kind of reaching this point, the next group of kids that's coming out of college, you know, in the Southeast, they want to start a tech company. Uh, they want to start a consumer app. They'll say, oh, you know, Brooks and Tyler did it here. Like we can, we can do it here. Like it's, I, I feel like all you need is, you know, one kind of company to take that step. And then once one takes that step, then, you know, everyone else can begin to follow. What are the benefits of being here? Of being in the South? Um, I think it allows us to be a lot more heads down. So not constantly peering over like the wall, at like what your neighbor is doing, but being hyper-focused on our users, what we're building for them and our vision. And so that's, that's an enormous thing. Uh, the people here are great. There's incredible talent here and we've certainly taken advantage of that too. Okay. But you also have an office in San Francisco. Correct, we do. We've uh, opened up a permanent space in San Francisco. We have uh, room to grow uh, out there and right now it's I think about 10 or so people but continuing to grow continuing to hire out there there's what did you need to what, what did you need San Francisco for uh, you had to you had to you, you're still in Atlanta but you had to open up an office in San Francisco why because there's great talent everywhere right there's there's incredible talent in Atlanta but there's also incredible talent in San Francisco and if we want to be successful and we want to you know make it uh make it to the to the top then we need the best people to help us do it and wherever the best people are you know we'll find them and get them and they happen to be in you know both atlanta and san francisco later on i moderated a panel at the dig south convention about the pros and cons of having a tech startup in charleston the pros are numerous a beautiful city that tourists love with great weather historical buildings and amazing food will jameson the 22 year old chief marketing officer for the live mobile video app stream Explain the cons. Uh, I think one of the cons, uh, especially starting a tech company in Charleston right now, is um, the lack of young developer talent. Uh, College of Charleston doesn't really have that rock star computer science engineering thing to start driving kids and recruiting and hiring people to build your company out and bootstrap it from essentially zero dollars. We can pull from Georgia Tech if we want to, but it's uh, harder. It's not the same as being based in San Francisco or Venice, and you can pull from UCLA, Stanford, Berkeley. Um, I think that's something that really needs to happen. I think CFC needs to go all in on their computer science program if they really want in the city if they want to see that develop. And not only in computer science, but I think software engineering is a, a separate thing because what they're teaching you in school right now is not practical to the daily life. 
of a software engineer. You're being retrained from day one um, as soon as you get in there in the workforce because not many startups are building operating systems. So nearby Atlanta has a lot more schools. So why should a tech company come here when they can go to Atlanta and get a much wider range of talent? So Atlanta is Atlanta. You can live in a city if you want. Um, I grew up there. I, I personally hated it. I like being on a beach, like the culture. I like still that small town feel. Um, the people are what really make it here. Um, Atlanta, you're doing a lot of corporate stuff, a lot of sales. It doesn't have the same startup culture that exists. I mean, Yik Yak's there right now, um, biggest one. Um, it's just really bringing people in. Um, is it a Georgia Tech engineer, too? You're surrounded, I'm just talking from a college kid's perspective, you're surrounded by 80% dudes on a daily basis. College Charleston, three-to-one girl-to-guy ratio, and you live on the beach. Uh, I mean, it's not that difficult to recruit an engineer to come here from Georgia Tech if you really want to. You can pay them the same amount. Uh, it's cheaper cost of living depending on where you live and same similar options. Okay. I've been covering technology since 2000. I've been at every tech startup, every, I mean, you name it. I've been there. I've been to Apple, been to Google. Uh, you can never get any more wilder until I came to Charleston. Till yesterday, Will took me to his office. Tell them where your office is. It's uh, in a, a pub and a soccer stadium on the Charleston Battery. That was a soccer stadium, he said, a full soccer stadium on Daniels Island. Uh, that's it. So uh, we, Eric bought the, the team after he sold Spark. And uh, it was, we were trying to find office space on where we wanted to move. We were working from beach houses. We were working from our homes, coffee shops. And there is, we were decided, why not work from a pub inside of a soccer stadium? Um, well, we renovate the building and have actual office in there. And it couldn't have been a better culture experience ever than uh, sitting in an old uh, English pub, watching soccer games, drinking beer, and running around the field for exercise. And yeah. uh, we're still there. Uh, we had, have like a separate building built off of it now where everyone works in like more of a traditional like office type environment. Um, from finding space, I don't think it's that difficult. It, um, I've worked, I've had offices on King Street, Meeting Street, um, all over the place. And when it comes to scaling and building up, there's tons of undeveloped land um, out in Daniels Island and um, other parts of Charleston area that if you have the money to scale, uh, you can get a space pretty easily. Over the years, I've visited many local places with burgeoning tech scenes from Atlanta, Austin, Texas, Minneapolis, St. Louis, Atlanta, Miami, and Salt Lake City, to even LA and New York. Now, Charleston was impressive. It's full of young energy of a community working together to build something really memorable and add a nice touch to a city whose main industries are tourism and military. But let's face it, it has quite a ways to go to catch up to a Salt Lake City, which has a way bigger airport and easier access to both LA and Asia, or even Miami, which is a gateway to Latin America. Christina Montague. From Jump Fund. So we're a women-led venture fund that's all women investors investing in women-led companies across the, across the Southeast. I would say 80% or more of our companies are tech or tech-enabled companies. Only 15% of all venture capital is invested in women-led companies nationally. In the Southeast, it's worse. Only 6% of the venture capital is going to women. So we really thought, you know, what is the way to change that game just on a local and even regional basis? Um, and we came to the realization it was going to be about money. So we um, got together a very small angel fund that is just focused on this work. So when we started our fund, there um, were many people who told us that, well, we're gender agnostic, and we certainly would love to see more women-led companies. We just haven't seen them. Well, we opened our doors. We had a flood of applicants. So it wasn't that they're not out there. It was that they didn't understand how to break into those networks. Um, only been in existence a little over th 
two and a half years about. And we've seen over 200 companies come through our pipeline, uh, growth venture you know, opportunities, and we've invested in 15 of those. Have you thought of moving to Silicon Valley to prove that it could be done on a big level? Well, actually, it is done a little. I mean, you know, you've got Cowboy Ventures and some other ones out there who are doing some of this work. They're not investing only in women-led companies, but they are uh, female um, VCs. So, no, I certainly don't want to move to Silicon Valley. I'm from Seattle originally. I love the West Coast, but um, I think we can make so much greater impact here in the Southeast. And the Southeast is such a rapidly growing entrepreneurial economy. Um, the deals are much better as investors. You know, the valuations are much lower here. Um, you can scale companies more rapidly because it's a lot cheaper to do it here. Um, space and everything. I think the challenge we have is the talent pipeline right now. So we are growing some of our own talent, but you know, as the companies, particularly in tech, grow, how do you continue to build those companies, particularly on the development side? What are the benefits of Chattanooga, of being based in Chattanooga, of all places, not Atlanta, not Charlotte, but but Chattanooga? Right. So Chattanooga has this unique piece right now with the gig, right? So the the fact that we can stream a gigabit of data to any household, any company in our city through our fiber optic network, so it's through our utility, um, is incredibly unique. And there are only a few cities following this, but those are th more through telecom um, companies instead of the utility companies. So that's a real differentiator for us. We've even recently attracted, it's not a female-led company, we recently attracted a maritime risk management company from Florida because of the gig and because how secure the gig is because it's through the fiber optic network. Um, so that's a huge differentiator for Chattanooga. We also have a really great quality of life there. So if I'm listening to this and I'm in California and I'm looking at insane rents and uh, in, insane uh, battle to get employees, where should I go in the southeast? Well, um, check, come to Chattanooga, check us out. But also we partner with Launch Tennessee and they're based out of Nashville. So Nashville is really growing. Um, they're also growing in on the entertainment industry side as well. Um, as, as far as entertainment technology. So, uh, you know, kind of depends on what industry you're looking for. I would figure out those cities to do that in. Atlanta, you know, actually isn't that cheap to work or live in. So if you're looking for that, then I wouldn't go to Atlanta necessarily. No, no cut on Atlanta. But um, so people actually are moving out of Atlanta to find communities like Chattanooga or Charlotte or Charleston where they can grow their company and have the same quality of life. So, yeah, we've had some investors who definitely come out and take a look and like the valuations here like the you know potential for growth for some of our companies um, and have partnered with us on some of our investments. Okay. And what do you say to people in California who are concerned about the political stuff going on with all the um, the transgender laws the, that uh, as you know tech tends to be a kind of liberal community and you've got a lot, lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, I think that's a tough nut to crack. You know, I think we're, um, this is, some of this is still the old south and um, you know being from Seattle I see that very um, starkly sometimes. Uh, you know, I like to live in my certain bubble, but that's not always the case when I live in a red state. So, um, you know, I, I think there are, there's so much positive though, that if you really come and take a look, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot more positive than some of that, that negative piece. Now, finally, there's no hard tech angle here, but I couldn't end this little audio tour without bringing you back to Savannah for my memorable visit to Benedetto Guitars. I'm Jefferson Graham with USA Today. You're listening to Talking Tech, where today the show is coming to you from Savannah, Georgia. You're listening in the background to the guitar stylings of Howard Paul, a luthier whose company still handcrafts guitars, even in the digital age, where most guitars are now machine-made and all electronics. 
He buys the wood from Italy from the same folks who supply it for violins and cellos, and he ages it for years in his Benedetto Guitars factory here. He then spends eight months crafting the guitars and then selling them online only for $5,000 up, which got us wondering. In this day of digital everything, is a handcrafted instrument worth more today than ever? In a, in a world devoid of a Bosendorfer or a concert Steinway piano or a, a handmade Fazioli piano, uh, it would be a lot less colorful and a lot less tonal. And those are things that you just can't accomplish if you uh, try to print them on a 3D printer. You need, you need artisans to be able to make instruments like that, and people need to have an opportunity to hear them. So in a world that's getting more tech-oriented every day, I'm sure even in Savannah you walk down the street and people are staring at their phones, correct? Okay. Does it make a handcrafted guitar worth more and more special? Does it make you stand out from the crowd? I mean, tell me. It, it certainly makes them more special. The challenge today is, uh, and it's a difference in the music industry, technology has changed that too. In fact, you can't buy your guitar in a store. You cannot buy it. We used to try to do that, and it just... You know, you can't make one out of a hundred guitars that cost $25,000 and hang it on a hook in the store and expect the person that wants that guitar to walk into that store. So you sell 125 guitars a year through your website? Through our website, and it's an older, more, this company's 48 years old. I kind of consider it a 48-year-old startup. So, so... Um, we sell it through the website. We have very detailed information available on our web page. We have audio files and links to video files and uh, a million pictures. Since you are a jazz guitarist, let's finish this off. Why don't you pick up a guitar and, and so we don't break any copyright rules. Maybe just play a little blues or something sure. or whatever you like. Or maybe nobody will recognize what I play anyway. <laughs> This is what $20,000 sounds like, right? That's right.